All right, guys, welcome back to the show, and I had the pleasure of sitting down with Stieg Phillips for today's episode, and Stieg is a guy who is super passionate about mule deer hunting out west and all western big game hunting, really, Um, but I got to talk to him about a couple products that he has coming out or that are actually already on the market, one being a tripod and the other being a clothing line with a an innovative solution to the heating problem. So I hope you guys enjoy hearing about those things as well. I hope you guys go and check out the products that he's coming out with because I definitely want to get my hands on all of them and just see um, the quality of them. From the sound of it, it's it's hunter tested, hunted approved, hunter approved. And um, yeah, I just want to check out the durability in comparison to the products that I currently have. So I hope you guys... Um, really buckle up for this episode. It was a pleasure to chat with Steve. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And today on the line with me, I've got Stieg Phillips. And Stieg reached out to me on social media, told me a little bit about his story and what he's doing. And uh, we've actually been talking and catching up. And it sounds like he's got some really cool things going on right now between uh, his Muley Maniacs pages, um, a new line of product that he's developing right now, actually, called Burrito Gear. And then he's got these tripods, which I've looked them up. I haven't had the opportunity to hold them in my hand yet, but just through pictures and stuff, they look like they're really amazing uh, tripods, really high quality. Um, and so I'm hoping to get my hands on one of those soon. Um, but those are called Canopy tripods. But all that to say, this guy's got a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of history in the outdoors. And so I'm excited to have him on the show. So welcome to the show, Stieg. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, could you, could you just start out by maybe hitting a couple of these things that you're doing? Cause you've kind of branched in a lot of different directions and I'm interested to hear more about how that all came about. Yeah. So I started my Instagram page, Mealy Maniacs, probably like six years ago. And it was mainly just you know, I just wanted to post some pictures of some of the hunts that I go on and stuff like that. And people ended up liking it. So I decided, well, maybe I'll do some hats and shirts. So I made hats and shirts for Muley Maniacs and they're all animals that I've harvested or helped harvest. And they didn't really take off. Nobody seemed to like them. So... So I was kind of trying to figure out what do, what do people need in the outdoors? What's something that people really need that they don't have or can't get? And so I was in Sportsman's Warehouse and I was looking at tripods because, you know, I live out west. And we do a ton of glassing, a ton of just hiking to the top of the hill and sit there and glass all day. So... I was looking at them and it ended up to get something that was quality, something that was going to be what I wanted. I was going to be close to a thousand dollars, man. So I said, there's, 
it can't be that expensive to build this stuff. You got to be able to build this stuff and have quality products for cheaper than that. So I started looking into it and trying to find a place to build them for me. And so I found a place after like three, four months of looking and started getting everything developed, ordered a prototype, and it came in right before my deer hunt this last year. And I just took that thing and just beat it as much as I could. And I'd open it up as tall as it'd go, throw it in the bed of the truck, and just drive like 50 miles an hour down a dirt road, just <laughs> trying to get it to fall out or something, or trying to get it to rattle around and things to come loose. And I'd stop and there'd be a pile of sand and I'd get out and I'd run the legs through the sand and all of the moving parts, trying to get stuff to grind and things like that. And I couldn't get it to grind. And by the end of my deer hunt, my prototype looked like a piece of junk, but it still performed excellent. So I said, all right, this is the one. It works good. We'll just go ahead and we'll get them ordered and start getting them out there. And so I released them back in September. And I've had a lot of really good feedback. And a lot of guys really like them. And so I took I took a tripod that should be worth close to $1,000 and dropped it down as low as I could. And the combo package that comes with the head, the tripod, and two quick-release plates is under $400. Wow, that's amazing. So after that first trip, was there anything at all that you ended up having to change or since with all the feedback? Have you have you had like new innovative ideas for them and anything you want to change on it? Um, well, after my prototype, the head was a little bit bigger than what I had planned. And it just had a couple little funky parts. So I redesigned that head and just made it a little smaller made things a little more compact, a little more sleek look to it. And it's worked really well. A lot of my feedback I've got is my negative feedback is stuff that I look at and go, well, it's just because you've been using the same tripod for the last 20 years. It takes a little while when you change something to get used to it. Yeah. So my feedback that I got was a few people had said it's too tall. It's not compact enough, which I don't quite understand because most tripods with the head on it, they're over 30 inches in length and mine's at 25. Hmm. But to combat that, I designed a more packable tripod that we just released about a month ago and it's a, the pro backpacker model and it's actually 18 inches in length it weighs just barely over three pounds it's like 
three, five or something like that. And it's actually tall enough that, so I'm five ten, and it's tall enough that I can stand in glass with it, no matter if I'm on a steep hill or whatever. Man, that's awesome. So <clears throat> did you, did you have like an engineering background or how did you decide like, Hey, I can actually design something like this on my own? No, I just started looking at tripods and looking at stuff and looking at the tilt of the legs and things like that. And then honestly, I didn't even really draw up any designs. When I started talking with this factory that did it, I just basically told them, hey, this is what I want. I want carbon fiber legs. I want this center post to be carbon fiber so everything's lighter. I want the legs tilted out at this angle, things like that. And they just were able to do it. That's so cool. Um, so moving forward, are, do you think you're going to branch out into other types of tripods or is it going to mainly be like glassing tripods? I know there's a lot of companies coming out with like shooting tripods now, like, I mean, some super heavy duty ones that your gun can clamp into and you can actually shoot from a standing position and feel confident taking, you know, 300, 400 yard shots with it. So I've actually got a prototype for a shooting tripod that I've been playing around with a little bit. I actually am working on redesigning the way that your gun mounts to a tripod. Okay. Because I looked at, I looked at the clamps. I looked at the Arca rails and I didn't like either of them. I didn't like how big and bulky the clamp was hooked onto your gun. And to attach an arca rail you have to drill holes in your stock mm -hmm. and this last winter i just got a four thousand dollar gun done and there's no way in hell i drill a hole in that stock yeah so i'm actually working on redesigning that i right in the middle of testing some prototypes right now well, man, I'm excited to see what all you come up with. And, and like I said, I want to get my hands on one of those tripods because um, just looking at the pictures and um, just the design of it, like looking at it, it looks sleek. It looks like it would be lightweight, but also heavy duty. And so um, I'm excited to see what you come up with on the other fronts as well. Let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, that first hunt, actually, because I like to share stories on here. And I know obviously you do with how many animals you've taken or been on hunts where an animal's been taken. Can you share a little bit about that hunt that you took the first or you took your tripod on for the first time? Yeah, so I'm I'm sure I'm like most guys. When you draw a deer tag, you get really excited and you want to go hunting right away. And you don't realize that it's going to be about a month before the deer even have horns where you can tell if it's going to be big or not. Yeah. So I actually, when I drew the tag, I went out and bought a new bow and just started practicing shooting. And then about mid June, 
I started scouting. And out here in Nevada, it's really competitive. There is a lot of big-time guides out here. There's a lot of big-time hunters that really know what they're doing. So in reality, I'm just a, a small fish in a big pond out here. But I ended up finding a buck in June. And in June, he was like a 170-inch 5 by 6 and I thought, man, he's gonna he's gonna be a big buck. Yeah. He's gonna be a pretty big buck. <clears throat> so I ended up going back and just trying to watch him, trying to figure out where he was hanging and what he was doing. And in doing that, I turned up three more bucks that were big bucks. And so I thought, man, well, this is sweet. I've got options now. I don't have to worry about competing with somebody because if they're going after this buck, I can go after this one. And opening morning rolled around and there were about 20 people right there in a three mile square radius, all hunting the same four deer. Oh man. So I said, I said, I'm not doing that. I don't (laughs) want to deal with that. Yeah. So I moved back up. One of the four bucks was in a little bit different spot. He was still fairly close, but he was a few miles off. So I moved back up and started watching him and he was a great big four point mainframe. I figured he was right around that 27, 28 inches wide. Wow. And he had a great big floater main beam on his left side that just dropped off. It was, he was a sweet buck. But he was hanging on a wide open hillside and the, and I've got a bow trying to figure out how I'm going to (laughs) get even kind of close enough to take a shot. So after like a week of going up there and watching and my hunt had started and I was trying to figure out how I'm going to get close to this deer, my brother and I hiked up there and we could hear somebody talking and we go down and we're looking and sure enough, there's a guide sitting there with his hunter watching the deer. And so... We just said, you know what? It's not worth the competition. It's not worth trying to beat them up here and then trying to beat them up to get to the deer. We're either going to scare the deer away or somebody's going to get pressured into making a bad shot or something like that. So we don't need to mess with that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I just walked away. Let them have it. I figured I'd come back in a week or two. Most guided hunts out here like a week long so i figured a week later i'd come check and see if i could find the deer and so i went looking other places the three bucks that were all right there with each other that i 
had planned on hunting. All three of them ended up getting killed in the first week of the hunt. Wow. And so I just kind of went looking at other places and came back. Never saw that buck again with the floater main beam. I don't know if they killed him or if they scared him off, but I never saw him again. Then it got down to the last week of my hunt. And I told my wife, I said, if I see just a good buck, I'm going to take him. Because I never killed a deer with my bow. I might as well just kill one with my bow so that I can say that I have. Yeah. So I went back up into a spot where we'd had a lot of really good luck in the past. And I hiked. I did about a three-mile hike out to where I was looking down off the edge of this great big mountain. I'm sitting there watching, and all of a sudden, this 180, 185-inch 4x5 comes walking out. And I went, well, there it is. That's my my good (laughs) buck that I told my wife I would kill if I saw. So I start trying to put a stock on him, and I'm sneaking down through shell rock on this great big mountainside and it's not working real well every step I make is making way too much noise (laughs) and the buck just kind of he doesn't spook but he just kind of wanders along the hillside and so I get down to the bottom and I'm like okay I'm just gonna parallel him and hopefully I can find him again so I just start paralleling him and I'm walking along and all of a sudden these sheep like farmer sheep are on the middle of this mountainside in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and i'm going what in the heck's going on here and i'm maybe 30 yards from them and they don't even know i'm there but they're all looking straight down the hill from me so i come around the corner i look down the hill i'm like oh crap there he is and so i ranged him he was 70 yards And I'd been practicing all summer at 100 because I knew I was hunting open country and I was going to have to be able to take a long shot with my bow. Yeah. And so I knocked an arrow and drew back and I didn't even kind of think about the angle that I was on. I let it fly and it went like two feet over his back. Oh, man. Yeah, he took off running never saw him again and then I was at that point I was really bummed because I hadn't seen a buck like that in a week and then I just missed a shot that should have been an easy shot if I would have just thought about it a little more yeah so yeah that's heartbreaking yeah so that night I got home and one of my good buddies called me and he said, hey, you know the ranch, like 40 miles above town? I said, yeah. And he said, I was up there today. He's a farmer, so he was up there looking at stuff with them. Because I was up there this morning, and they've got like 10 bucks hanging in those fields that are over, that are over 190, right there close to 200. And he goes, there's nobody up there. And which is funny because it's usually a really popular spot that everybody goes to. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll go check it out. 
So I called in, got work off, and went up there. And I pull in right as the sun's coming up, and there's elk everywhere. Elk are coming out of the fields like crazy. I can't, I can't even find a deer. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this guy just sent me up here because he knew there was a ton of elk and he knew it would frustrate me because I wouldn't see a deer. <laughs> I mean, there had to have been, there had to have been five, 600 head of elk. There was a ton of elk coming out of there. And so eventually like nine o'clock rolls around the elk are all gone. I hadn't seen a deer. I went, well, I guess I'll go back home and I'll just go into work. And there's no point in just being out here all the way through midday and right as I was getting ready to load up this buck comes over and he jumps the fence right out into the middle of the sagebrush valley and I put my spotting scope on looked through it just long enough to tell that he had a couple in lines or he had a couple extras and he was a really nice buck I went well that's good enough I I told my wife, I'm shooting the first nice buck that I get a chance at. So I had no idea what he was. So I just started sneaking down through the sagebrush, thinking if I can even kind of get close enough to this thing with my bow in this sagebrush valley, I'm going to be lucky as can be. Yeah. So sure enough, I get about a half a mile down into the valley and he comes right up over the ridge, right towards me. And so I just squat down in the sagebrush. I get my rangefinder out. And I'm trying to range him and I'm shaking so bad. I can't range him. I'm bouncing from like 10 yards to 300 yards trying to range him. Cause I can't hold still. <laughs> and so I just put my rangefinder down. I said, okay, he's coming right to me. I'm just going to let him get as close as he, as close as I can. And then I know he's close enough that I can just put all my pins on him and I'm going to hit him in the vitals. So he just kept coming, kept coming. And he got into where I thought he was about 20 yards. And I drew back and just let it fly. And he was hard quartering to me. And that arrow went in right behind his front shoulder and went all the way through and came out his other hind quarter. And he turned and whirled and ran back down into the valley and went about 50 yards and just went right to the ground. Oh, man. So I get down there to him and I, I'm pretty good at deer at telling what a deer is when they're on hoof. But the second they're on the ground, I struggle, especially if it's a buck that I shot. Yeah. So I got up there to him and I went, okay good i told my wife i was gonna kill a nice buck he's like 25 inches wide he's 170 inch deer he's a nice buck he's not what i wanted but he's still a good buck and so i called my dad and started calling people see if i could get somebody to help me and everybody was busy everybody was working so i loaded the deer up myself and Started heading back into town, and I thought, well, I better stop by and show my buddy that told me that there were some bucks out there, because he'll like that. And I pulled down there and get out of the truck and 
go over and he looks at it. And the first thing he goes is, first things he says is, man, that thing's a giant. I went, oh, he's a nice buck, but he's nothing special. And he goes, I think he's bigger than you think. I said, oh, yeah, whatever. So he goes over and he grabs his tape measure out of his truck and goes over there and pulls it across and goes, well, he's 33 inches wide. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's like, oh, maybe he's a little bit bigger than I thought. <laughs> so he starts just measuring a few things out real quick with his hard tape and just real rough, real quick. And he gets done and he looks at me and he goes, you let me know what he scores. He's between 195 and 200. So I hustled over to the taxidermist trying to save the velvet and got it saved. And I got home that night and thought, well, I guess I'll throw tape on him real quick and see what I get. I taped him out three times and I got him at 200 every time dead on. Oh my gosh end up being a lot bigger buck than I'd planned on than I thought he was. That is so awesome. I want <clears throat> to, I've only been on one mule deer hunt. Um, cause I, I mean, I was born and raised on the wrong side of the Mississippi, I guess. And, uh, I, I went out there, went out to Colorado two years, lived out there and hunted. And my second year I drew a mule deer tag and, I was like, man, I'm going to be happy with literally anything. I've never hunted mule deer, never killed one, obviously. And it was, I, I was fortunate enough for the last day of the hunt or that we were hunting, we were following people back. I had just shot a bull elk and I was following these guys back. They were in a side-by-side. I was on a four-wheeler and they pull over and they all jump out and they're like, Dan, right here, there's a big mule deer buck, like get ready. And so I had to get my gun out of the case. And I just said, you guys keep going. I'm just going to kind of put a stock through here. I hadn't seen it at this point, but everybody said it's a good deer. And so sure enough, I, I ended up walking and following, like, I don't, it was probably between seven and 10 does for the last hour, hour and a half of daylight. And it was right at the last like five minute window that I could shoot. All of a sudden I look and I've been watching these does this whole time. And out of nowhere, right in the middle of them, this buck shows up and I didn't have time to look at it. I mean, I just knew like, that's the buck. That's what they told me to go after. I pulled my gun up shot because I knew I was almost out of daylight and I still don't know what it, ended up scoring. Um, I I've never even really scored any deer that I've killed. If I take it to a taxidermist or get a mount, then I'll have them tape it for me. But this was a, it was a mainframe four by four with two short brow tines. And it ended up technically being a five by seven. If you count the small kickers, I don't know if you guys do that for mule deer, but growing up in Wisconsin, if it was anything, we would always count it as a point, but Um, so yeah, that's all I've had experience wise with mule deer hunting, but I did apply this year for a mule deer tag and I really hope I draw, I'll find out here in, I think like two weeks if I drew that for Colorado. So yeah, there's some big old bucks over there in Colorado. That's so fun hunting over there. I saw a couple really nice ones. We actually saw one at 
about a thousand yards and everybody, it was in like a shadowy area in the, on a wooded hillside. So we couldn't see the body or anything. Like all we could see were ears and antlers. And for the first probably five or 10 minutes, we were looking at it and everybody was able to find it. Everyone thought it was an elk. It was that big. I mean, it was every bit of 33, 34 inches wide. And the height on it was what made everyone think it was an elk. They're like, man, that thing's got 22 to 24 inch uh, mains. Like, I mean, like they were just huge. And then finally, it wasn't until we got about 400 yards closer that we actually realized it was a mule deer. And I had a tag for it. But at that point, we were really going after an elk for my buddy. Uh, that was the whole purpose of the drive that we took that day was to go find an elk. And so we did not go after it. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, we had a buck. See, it would have been back in 2000 and 2013. We had some friends from Northern Utah draw tag. And I'm originally from Utah. I live in Nevada now. And uh, they'd drawn a tag in the unit that I grew up hunting. So they called me and my dad and said, hey, we got tags. Can you guys take us out hunting? So we're like, yeah, we'll take you out. And it was, it actually ended up being really fun, but we killed a, a really, really nice buck opening morning. He was a hundred and. 85 inch deer really really nice buck and then the last day of the hunt actually we were cruising down this road and we spotted a buck down at the edge of the trees in this burn and at first we thought it was a tree down there just because he wasn't real wide but he was super tall and we, all we could tell was he was really tall and he had okay forks. And so we set up and we do a lot of long range shooting. You know, I, I probably shot, I don't know, probably every year when we're getting ready for hunting season, whoever has the tag probably shoots three or 400 rounds at, distances that are a long ways and make sure that the gun is dialed in and ready to go so we set up on this buck at 700 yards and our buddy gets up there who's never shot long range at all and he shoots and misses and the buck kind of walks back into the trees they're like oh man oh well you know we had no idea and the buck comes walking right back out stands in the exact same spot we're like okay just be steady breathe the guns rested solid just squeeze the trigger slow so he just squeezed the trigger slow and sure enough shoots the buck just picks his head up from feeding like nothing's happening walks back into the trees and just hunched up and just took off on a death run oh man so we're like cool you know, we, we got a, we got a solid buck. We got a, a really nice buck opening morning and we killed a decent buck today. Well, we get down there 
and actually walk up on the deer and he was a five by six he was only like 20 inches wide but he had over 50 inches in mass oh my goodness he ended up being a 216 inch deer (laughs) i need to come hunting with you it seems like there's so many giant deer that they all look small to you guys now (laughs) (laughs) i i don't know that there's that many giant deer i just think that we're terrible at figuring out what's going on (laughs) I'll tell you, if I saw a deer that was 170 inches, I'd be like over the moon. I'm, I, uh, yeah, my biggest whitetail to date's like 142. And like I said, I haven't even taped out that mule deer, so I don't know what it is, but mule deer hunting, I started watching videos on it several years ago. And I was like, man, I could get so hooked on this because like you, I love to shoot long range. I mean, around here, I can't do it all that often because there's so many hills and stuff and it's not like wide open uh the property boundaries you know properties broken up um every 40 acres it seems like sometimes it's bigger than that but so i can shoot about 450 on this back 40 but i have to drive about an hour if i want to shoot out to like 700 plus but yeah there's something about like the combination of long range and hunting that I don't know some people like to be really close and I think I would love that as well like that stock you talked about with your bow trying to get nice and close because I love archery but it seems like I'm always drawn back to long range shooting for some reason so that sounds like a great hunt yeah for me for me it's it's all it's all the same you know I had the same rush with my buck this year that I shot at 20 yards as I had with my big typical that I killed that I shot at 500 yards. You know, it's all just a, it's all the same. It's the exact same rush. So I'll take whatever I can get when it comes to hunting. Yeah. What a, I'm, I'm always curious about this with people because, you know, some people get buck fever really intensely some people don't really get it i'm i'm the type of person that like i'll get excited when i see one coming in or like when the pursuit is actually on but i don't get like buck fever in the moment of truth like when it's time to get the crosshairs settled and pull the trigger i don't get buck buck fever but as soon as i pull that trigger or let that release go all of a sudden i'm shaking it's like at that point it hits me. What about, is, is it the same for you or how do you deal with, uh, with buck fever or panic or whatever you want to call it in that moment? So it seems like for me, I have, I'll have pretty bad buck fever leading all the way up to when I'm about to take the shot. And then when I'm about to take the shot, I seem to be able to calm down enough to make the shot. And then as soon as the gun or the bows goes off, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if like you're out with somebody, you take the shot and you miss. Well, with my family, it's all as soon as that gun goes off, the buck fever goes nuts. You miss or that deer or elk doesn't go to the ground. 
it's people would think that we hated each other of how we start yelling at each other about things. <laughs> oh man, what a another thing I'm curious about what what gun are you using um, for for your hunts? I know you said you shot one at 500 yards. I mean, you can't just you can and you can't just go out and buy a gun like that. Um, what caliber and what brand are you shooting? So I shoot a Savage. I don't even know what the model is for the Savage. I think it's their Hunter edition. Okay. But I shoot a 338 Lapua. Nice. So it's a big gun. Yeah. Yeah, that's a serious round. I remember I've shot with guys that have those. I had a 338 Win Mag for my first elk hunt. Um, but those 338 Lapuas are no joke. I when I was looking for new rifles, I was debating getting one and then I saw the price per box of ammo for 20 rounds and I said, "Yep, not going to do that." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the only way you can do it and afford to do it is if you're reloading and now you can't even afford to reload no everything's just disip i'm like man between 2020 and 2021 it seems like you can't find toilet paper you can't find lumber you can't find gas and you can't find ammo yeah 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 it's pretty bad we had to look really hard this winter to find the powder that we like to load to shoot for coyote calling, you know, and we end up finding one pound of it, which is better than nothing. I just hope that things will calm down enough that we can get more before we run out of that pound of powder. Yeah. I think they'll go back to normal here. I would say in another six months, I think it's actually going to be quite a while yet before they calm down again, but We'll see. Fingers crossed. I know some people have been having luck finding ammo again. Um, I think the manufacturers are starting to catch up again, but it's really people on social media saying like, oh, ammo is short, ammo is short. And then they all buy it up in bulk and it sits in a closet until it, until it starts to rust. And the rest of us are like, oh, I guess we're not shooting at all for the next six months. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be how it's going. Um, let's, uh, let's switch a little bit, uh, on topics here and start talking about, uh, this Bruto gear that you're coming out with. You shared a little bit about it with me and it's something that I'm excited about even just hearing a few minutes of it. So could you share that with the listeners and, and what you're designing for that? Yeah. So out here, I mean, I don't really know about hunting other places much i'm sure it gets pretty brutally cold but out here it gets you know last year's rifle hunt i saw it as low as three degrees with about a 20 mile an hour wind so it gets pretty brutally cold yeah and the problem that i've got with it is every time it gets cold i always end up looking like the michelin man (laughs) out walking around i can't you know i've got 10 layers on and i can barely move and so i wanted to design a camouflage and a battery heated system that 
was lightweight and you could move around in it good. It was waterproof. I wanted, you know, I wanted to take these top the line camouflages and I wanted to use their fabrics that they were using and make a battery heated system to keep you warm. And I was able to find a guy that said he could do it for me. So he actually just got me mock-ups yesterday and I'm getting prototypes done up that he's going to have, I should have in like a month. And then I'll start testing from there. I designed my own camouflage pattern and went ahead and threw, threw that over on to him and he got it all set up where I think it's going to be a really good setup. I sure hope so. I hope it's what guys are going to want. You know, I figure if nothing else, I'll definitely use it because I hate wearing tons of layers. Oh yeah. If you need a, if you need any field testers for that, just let me know. I'd be happy to try some out. I know here, like in Missouri, where I, where I currently live, it gets crazy in a hurry. I mean, we'll go from snowing one day to like 85 degrees the next day and then it'll be back down to a high of 40 and it drives me crazy because I'll get like a certain season of clothing out so I'll get like my fall clothing out and then all of a sudden the temperature drops or it's 90 degrees and I'm sitting in a tree stand and I I'll literally bring an extra jacket just to hang on the branch above me so the sun's not beating on me the whole time so to have a lightweight clothing brand that you can heat up with the click of a button that sounds unreal yeah yeah i hope that it i hope that it works out good you know it's definitely something new it's something that i don't think you know at least i've never heard of anybody that has come out with a camouflage done up in that you know that stretchy polyester fabric that's battery heated so hopefully hopefully it's something that's good yeah i think people will i think people will eat it up like crazy because i mean i remember when i first heard about the thermocell uh heated insoles for your boots i went Uh i went online and bought those immediately like the first time i heard about them i looked them up and i just well first i made sure that the ratings were decent because i was like i don't want to buy these and then they not be good I know the concept is amazing. So I bought those because especially when I go up to Wisconsin for whitetail season, it could be 20 below sometimes when we're out there. And no matter how good your boots are, they will not stay warm that whole time. And so I bought those and that that was a game changer. So to think that my entire outfit could be heated like that, man, talk about being out in any weather. Yeah. Man, I don't know how you guys can do that sitting in a tree stand in that brutal cold weather. <laughs> I, I feel like I'd die if I had to do that. You get kind of used to it, I feel like. Once I moved down to Missouri, I became soft, and it's not as easy for me to do it now. But I remember when I was a kid, I would go out, and there could be two feet of snow on the ground, and it could be in the single digits. And I would just walk out there in my boots, in my full outfit, 
and I would jump up in the air on a hillside and then just plop down in a seated position in the snow and almost make a little recliner right there in the snow. I mean, to where 50% of my body was below the snow line. And then I'd just sit there all day long. And the nice thing about the snow is it's an insulator. And so, you know, if there's a lot of contact made with the snow, as long as you're not melting it and getting wet, uh, you can stay a lot warmer if you're actually tucked down in the snow like that than if you're just in the open air. Yeah. Well, man, I, I for real, I can't wait to see some of these products. And uh, you said you're currently in Nevada, right? Yep. Okay. We're going to be, I've, I haven't been to Nevada yet, but I've heard great things about the hunting out there. And obviously after all these big buck encounters you've had, I might have to start looking into more of it, but we're going to be heading out to Utah for the first time in early June. I think the first week of June, we're going to go out there. And I'm going to see what all the hype is about Utah and, and everything west of Colorado. Yeah, well, if you make it over this way, let me know. Yeah, I will for sure. I'd love to see your product get to meet in person. And uh, what kind of what hunts do you have planned this year? Uh, so draw results haven't come out for Nevada yet. They will come out at the end of the month. And we just got to wait and see hopefully we can draw a deer tag or i'm getting close to where i should be getting enough points that i could maybe draw an elk tag so we just got to wait and see hopefully something good yeah that'd be awesome i'll uh i'll let you know if i draw my moose tag this year um and you want to get some good pictures and product testing for the for the camo or the tripods you can bring it out on a moose hunt with me yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Don't get your hopes up. I think my odds are like 0.003% or something like that. <laughs> but I'm still optimistic. You gotta be. Um, before I let you go, um, we talked a bunch about these different brands and about what you do. Uh, could you give everybody uh, an idea of where they can find your stuff, they can find your product, or they can follow along with your journey? Yeah, so... Uh, all of my tripods and stuff, everything I do will be available on mealymaniacs.com. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, either at mealymaniacs, uh, canopy tripods, Baruto gear, or I have another clothing line called We Hunt Public. If you follow any of those, it's got a link right to the website in the bio. And you'll be able to see all the new stuff that we're coming out with, all the testing that we do, and just all that good stuff. Man, that's awesome. I would, I would highly encourage anybody listening to this to go check out um, what Stieg's been coming up with. And if nothing else, just go look at the pictures on his social media channels and start getting excited about hunting season again. Um, I know I'll just thumb through those every now and then and be like, man, it's just a different world hunting, um, in the mountains or even on the West side of the mountains as it is from hunting farmland over here in the Midwest. There's, there's something about it and it's doable. Like people need to understand, like they can go out and actually hunt mule deer and hunt elk. And I know Western people don't like when I say that because they're like, don't drive more people out here. We're 
busy enough as it is, but um, there's just so much land and so much opportunity out there to, to go and do a hunt that you may not ever have been able to do before. Yeah, there definitely is. There's, and it's, it's funny. I, you know, I've got a few guys from the Midwest and stuff that have followed me and I say something about hunting on public land, you know, or my buck that I killed this year was killed on public land. And all of them, all of them are like, oh, there's no way that thing was killed on public land. You, you can't kill a deer like that on public land. And they don't, they don't realize that out here, the unit that I hunt, 90% of it is public land. There's almost, there's not much for private land there. That's, that's amazing. I mean, that you've had that kind of success. I've heard of people. I, I know one other person personally that killed a 200 inch muley on public land. Um, and that was in Colorado. It was actually a collared mule deer. He got up there and it was like, he knew that the regulations allowed for you to shoot it. And in fact, um, the conservation department, I think Colorado parks and wildlife has publicly said, if you see a collared animal and would shoot it, if it didn't have a collar collar on it, still shoot it. And then just give us the collar back because it, it gives them a more accurate uh, mortality study that way. But he ended yeah. up shooting one that I can't remember. I think it was like 207 or 211, but with a radio oh. collar on it. And he wanted to get it mounted with the collar, but he had to give it back. And so he ordered a replica collar on Amazon and put it on his mount. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a big buck. That's cool. Yeah, I, I would probably freeze. I think at that point I would get buck fever long before the trigger was pulled and probably just lock up and not be able to do anything. That's a huge animal. Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely a big deer. Well, see, I really do appreciate you hopping on with me today. And um, again, I look forward to checking out your gear and hearing more about what you're doing. It sounds like you're going to have success, especially with the innovation that you're coming out with um, in the hunting industry. So thanks for being on. And we'll definitely have to get back on and chat in the future about your products and about your hunting stories. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Just let me know. All right. We'll do. Thanks a lot. All right. Yep. We'll see ya. Bye. And that is going to wrap up the show for today. I had a great time chatting with Stieg Phillips. Um, and I hope to get out there and do some more mule deer hunting. In fact, I just found out the other day that I will be out mule deer hunting this fall. We had a trip planned for elk hunting, but I got my Colorado draw results back. Unfortunately, I did not get my moose tag, but I did get my mule deer tag. So I think we're going to do a combination mule deer, elk, and black bear hunt out in Colorado this October, late October, early November, in fact. Um, and so, yeah, I'm super pumped about that. And I hope to get my hands on some of these products because from the sound of it, they are awesome and super heavy-duty, rugged stuff that is built for actual hunters. And so I'm curious to know how it stacks up in comparison to uh, my current products. But until next time, as always, choose adventure and God bless.